Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRER. I'm Bobby Howe. I'm Alex Gehring. Hey, Alex. Bobby. What? Do you know what today is? <laughs> what is today? Today is the KCRAR virtual holiday party. Are you excited? Oh, I'm so excited. Because I-, <laughs> I believe you have a starring role yeah. in the yeah. party. I'm a, little, I'm a little nervous about it. I, I think mean, there's, there, there's a lot of moving parts to this thing. I, I, you know, the stage manager got in touch with me and she's really got a lot of uh, strong expectations and, you know, lots of costume changes and lots of props that I have to keep track of. And I mean, it's, it's going to be like a two and a half hour long uh, full scale Broadway production. Um, and I mean, Andrea and I are, are we're, we're, we're a little nervous. We're a little well, I mean, nervous. you do it's have big shoes to feel, fill from last year's MC. I mean, because last year's MC was so amazing. I don't know if you can do as good as he did. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that I can that I can match match that that guy. Yeah, and so those of you who don't know, mean. Alex MC'd last year, and now he's co-hosting this year with Andrea Sheridan. So I, I was pretty sure that I was going to be ousted and replaced uh, by your Alex, though. I know, but now we have a pandemic, and so I'm not taking my child out in public to do things. Fair enough. I'm having a hard enough time taking myself out in public to do it. So I know. <laughs> so I have a funny part of that. So there's going to be like the the Jay Rieger, the mixology session. That's going to be really, really cool. Um, I hope you guys like it. But then there's another session that is Bobby talking for seven minutes. It's a year in review. I know. It was like the heart. So they sent me the script. I think it's an Amber or Kyla script. And it was amazing script. I mean, we did so many things this year, Alex. I had no idea. I mean, I knew all the things, but when you see them all like laid out, like it's crazy. And so the first time I record the video, I'm like, Ooh, it's seven minutes long, you know, but the best part of me trying to record this. So I'm recording it on zoom and they do some cut-ins with some other stuff. So I can make funny faces and things like that. I don't have to smile the entire time, but I'm trying to record this video and I'm about four minutes into the seven minutes and all of a sudden my, um, my Siri on my computer says, what did you say? And I was like, oh, wait, no, no, no. Now so I have to redo my take. I got to do the whole four minutes again. I get to that same spot again and my computer does it again. I, so it's, it's something with KCRER diversity committee and it hits something on the Hey Siri. So I turn it off on my computer so it doesn't happen again. I get to the same spot the next time, my phone does it. Oh, are you <laughs> kidding me right now? And so I turn it off on my phone, I get to it again, and this time it's a little bit later, not the exact same spot, but it's a little bit later. My iPad that I didn't even know was in the room, it goes off that time. And I like, I'm just, I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I've spent about 45 minutes trying to record this video with these takes. I get about halfway in my cat. So I have my laptop is set up on a bunch of boxes so that it's at the right eye height. My cat decides to start reining into the box and my computer is going everywhere. And I've ruined another take of this stupid video. My last take of the day, my Siri on my Apple watch goes off. Oh no. I have too many series in my house apparently, or even in this office, but every single device I ended up having to ter- turn Hey Siri off because they, I, I kept forgetting that there was on these other devices. It took until the second day where I had to read, just to redo all of my recordings and all of that. And it's really good. It actually, it turned out amazingly well. I'm still not sure how I did it. Um, but 
uh, when it's your turn to be a president, involve, uh, invest, that's the word I'm looking for, invest in a teleprompter app. Ah. It will be very, it's very helpful. Well, and hopefully we won't be in a pandemic at that point. So maybe, maybe it'll just be in person. But I mean, we're getting so used to doing videos all the time and our members are going to get used to seeing videos that you're going to be asked to record some videos. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, the whole time you're telling that story, Bobby, I was really worried because I have a HomePod in my, in my office. Yeah, and so, well, as soon as you said it the first time, uh -huh. I, I decided I better mute, mute it and tell it to, well, I'm like, got my finger on it, ready to shut it up if it starts yeah. trying to talk to us. Well, oh. I even turned, I turned something, one of my devices, I just turned it off so it couldn't talk and it still talked over that. Like I turned all the sound off. Like, I, no, I put it on do not disturb. I put my phone on do not disturb and it mm -hmm. still spoke that through the do, do not disturb. I was like, what's the it. point of do not disturb if you're still going to talk? Yep. No, nope. she'll, she'll disturb you. Yeah. So you know, what's no going bounds. on in your world? Uh, you know, not a whole lot. It's yeah. uh, Thanksgiving time. It is. Uh, so it's we're past Thanksgiving, like, actually, when everyone's listening to you know, this. That's true. Right now, it's, <laughs> it's Thanksgiving time. And my, my parents live really close to us. And of course, we consider them to be part of our bubble. Yep. Um, but even so, it's a, you know, do you, do you get together and do you, yeah. do you do the usual stuff or, or not? So it's a, it's, it's been a, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Um, it really even is. though we see each other on a regular basis and I feel like I'm pretty good and responsible um, outside in the world is still, you, you know, you've got kind of this moral dilemma of, you know, do you, and then, cause also my, my wife's parents would, would come as well. We always right. do like a joint, a joint yeah. thing. So anyway, we'll probably, I'm sure it will uh, look different by, by the time it is Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, you know, by the time this is airing, to your point, um, maybe on the next episode, we can talk about how it went. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But. So I have a funny story to tell you, though. I have a, I have a good, I want to make sure we tell the story um, because I think people need to know about it. Because people always talk about negative customer service situations. Yeah. And I actually have a really positive one. So okay. long, long story short, um, six years ago, on my 36th birthday, we purchased a Tempur-Pedic mattress. So something for you to look forward to when you get a little older, Alex, is that on your 36th birthday, you might buy a Tempur-Pedic mattress. But we've been uh -huh. doing research for a really, really long time on which mattress we wanted. And these friends kept, a whole bunch of friends kept saying, hands down, Tempur-Pedic's what you want. I was like, fine, whatever. Went to Nebraska Furniture Mart, top of the line, $4,000, you know, got a good mattress. And it, it, the mattress we got, the bed set we had, there was no way to get anything larger in the bedroom we had at the time. Like it was just, that room was just full of furniture. 75 days later, we bought a new home with a much larger bedroom that could have accommodated a king and, you know, it would have been nice. I was within my 90 day return policy, but I felt like, yeah, that just doesn't feel right. That just feels icky. I'm not returning it because I don't like it. I'm returning it because I bought a new house. So I didn't do that. Fast forward to late spring this year, and I start waking up super, super sore. Like, my mm -hmm. body hurts all the time. I've been going to the chiropractor. I have a rotated hip, and they can't quite get my hip back in place, and I don't, it's been months now. They can't fix me. But I just figured it's my old crusty body at 42. <laughs> things are breaking down. It's, you know, it's okay. Well, about a month ago, my husband starts waking up sore in the mornings. 
And I'm like, what? But it, it, at first it just lasts like the first part of the day. Then like it starts lasting the entire day. He's really, really sore. So I like my friends that had recommended the Tempur-Pedic, I start asking them about their Tempur-Pedics. How long do they last? I mean, a normal mattress should last eight years. Whole bunch of friends are telling me they've had theirs 13 years, 15 years, no big deal. Someone else comes along and says, hey, Tempur-Pedic has a 10 year warranty. Reach out to them. They'll tell you some steps to take with your mattress. And if it's defective, they'll 100% replace it. And I was like, whatever. So I reached out to Tempur-Pedic. They sent me a link with like four steps of things I had to do. And one of it was stripping down the bed and laying a yardstick across it to see if there were any dips. And I had to take certain photos. And they said, it'll take three to five days for us to review your case and let you know. And I said, all right, no big deal. So I did all the stuff. It was a Friday afternoon at 2.30 um, PM when I submitted everything. There were a couple of one inch dips in the mattress and the pillow topper had shifted three inches over to the left. Like I didn't even realize it till I had the bed fully stripped. I sent all that in 2.30 on a Friday at five o'clock. I got an email saying full claim. They're giving me $4,000 to spend on a brand new mattress. What? Six years in, it's a six year old mattress. That's I got hundred percent credit within two and a half hours. Apparently my bed was that bad. But they're taking good care of me. So we're upgrading to a king now. I'm so excited. Like, nice. so it's only like a couple hundred dollar upgrade um, to get the bed we want to get a, the large net. But you know, the, the problem of that is now we have to buy a new frame, new right. sheets, new bed. Like it's not just the bed. It's becoming but, a more expensive ordeal, but it's still right. worth it. That's great. Yeah, and I made the phone call this morning to, and they said, okay, which style do you want? What size do you want? Okay. We'll reach out to you in the next two weeks. We'll have a crew there. They'll bring in your new mattress. They'll take out your old mattress. Don't worry about it. Amazed at their customer service. That's 10 sweet. year full warranty. And we were six years in. That's so, awesome. That's awesome. It makes it worth the money when people treat their customers like that. That's good. It does. And I mean, I had to have my original receipt and I still had to, it was so funny. I had to, you know how they always say, you're not supposed to remove the tags off your mattress. I had to take a photo of the tag still attached to my mattress. Crazy. I know. Cause it's always says, you know, under penalty of law, do not remove this tag, but everybody jokes about the tag on their mattress. No, I had to be able to take a photo of it, but I had my original receipt for Nebraska furniture mart. I had my tags. I submitted everything and I just really felt like they took great care of me. That's good. Yeah. So. So this episode is brought to you by Tempur-Pedic mattresses. <laughs> if. <laughs> and Nebraska Furniture Mart because they were. And Nebraska Furniture Mart. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, the other thing that we have to talk about though, um, it it's also we're we're a toddler. We are a toddler. We are. We are. Amber we're didn't two. get birthday hats. We're two. We just celebrated our two-year birthday as a podcast amazing that's amazing. so awesome and we're not in person so there's no streamers we don't have, we don't have anything you yeah. know nothing 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 exciting this go around no cake no cake nope. this time no nope. cake but but it is a uh it's a milestone bobby that means we should be like around episode 54 i believe yeah we gotta be getting close to that it is it's actually on our script it's episode 54 <laughs> You read your script? It out. Like, I read the script. Well, it's not really a script. It's an outline. I say script like Amber's told us what to say. Amber couldn't tell us what to say if she tried. Poor thing. Uh, there's no following a script. Uh, That's so, not going to happen. 
so let's do a quick follow-up. Did you ever watch Big Sonia? Because we were going to talk about it this episode. No, I did okay, not watch Big Sonia. I, I, the, it's been a busy time, okay? I'm aware. Okay, so it's Black been, Friday. It's been a busy time. Yeah, all right. Um, but I do, where our guests are going to be here within five minutes, so we probably ought to do the book bit. And it so happens that it's a book you've also read. Yeah, it's true. Okay. You want to do the intro? Yeah. Do, 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 Bobby's book bit. Casey. I don't know. She was actually a little rary today. So my book. So, you know, I, I've lately been working extra hard to tie my book bit back to whatever topic we have today. And I'm not going to spoil the topic yet, except that it's in the headline. So I guess I will. We're having some real estate commissioners on for the Missouri and real estate, Missouri and Kansas real estate commissions. Really not a good book on real estate commissions. I'm going to be real honest with you. So the book for today <laughs> is Hillbilly Elegy. No jokes about Kansas and Missouri being hillbillies. It's fine. By uh, J.D. Vance. Um, great, great book that you've also read. And basically, yes. it talks about his family, which is originally from Kentucky, and uprooted themselves to Ohio to give them a better shot. Um, it talks about Appalachia. It talks about the Rust Belt. Uh, my favorite quote from the book, and this is a longer quote, and I will say it took me a long time to pick out a favorite quote from this book because there's a lot of really good tidbits in this book. But here's my quote. There is no group of Americans more pessimistic than working class whites. Well over half of blacks, Latinos, and college educated whites expect that their children will fare better economically than they have. Among working class whites, only 44% share that expe expectation. Even more surprising, 42% of working class whites, by far the highest number in the survey, report that their lives are less economically successful than those of their parents. And this book just really digs down into the issues that working class whites, Southern whites in that Rust Belt, what they feel like they're experiencing in their America right now. And I think it's a lot of the issues that we've seen this year in 2020, why there's such a disconnect with certain segments of the population. And I think a lot of it stems back from this book. This book originally came out in 2016 and people said it helped explain why Trump was elected, which I'm not going to get into all of that political stuff on either side of it. But I do think within this book, there are a lot of lessons to be learned from voices we don't necessarily hear. We just, we make assumptions about that segment of the population, but we don't actually hear their voices. So there actually are three lessons that came about from the book. And so the first one is, um, don't always reach for the brass ring. Now this comes into play whenever he's um, off at college. Now I will say this. So DJ, um, JD, I said DJ, I meant JD. So JD, he has a series of uh, broken family situations throughout his life I'll talk about. His mom was in a series of different substance abuse and bad relationships. They suffer through poverty but then he ends up making it to the Marines. He ends up going to Ohio State and he eventually graduates from um, Yale Law School. But his story, like we always act like anybody can do that, but his story actually is most people can't and won't do that. 
And so one of the things is whenever he is at, I believe it's when he's at um, Yale, he's talking to somebody about wanting to take an internship. And she basically says, I don't think you're doing this for the right reasons. I think you're doing this for the credentials, which is fine, but the credentials don't actually serve your career goals. She had advised him to instead prioritize his girlfriend, the woman he would end up marrying, and build a professional life that made sense for him. And, you know, it goes on to talk about the rush of holding a particular title, CEO, president, dean, is much less important than enjoying your actual day-to-day life. And so you see a lot of that in the book. It's like actually enjoying your life versus just holding a particular title. The next lesson in the book was to embrace a flexible definition of family. He had a swinging door of dads in and out of his life. He actually, his initial dad, um, let his stepdad adopt him. And then there were so many other men that came in and out of his life. But he talks about the way that our state laws define family. Um, After his mom gets arrested, there's an opportunity that even though he lives with his mom like 55% of the time, that if the social system gets involved with him, he's going to be sent to live with a foster family. Like living with his own family isn't an option. And it's because our laws don't recognize it. And it talks about in the book, he says, for families like mine and for many black and Hispanic families, grandparents, cousins, and aunts play in a very important role in our day-to-day lives. And yet our legal system doesn't recognize that. It says they're not trained as foster parents, so you can't go live with them. And so I think we need to embrace that. And the third point, and this is where it gets political, is to make room for both slash and politics. It's so easy to lay blame at the Republicans and say, this is their fault. It's so easy to lay blame at the Democrats and say, this particular thing is their fault. JD um, walks the line in between and says, look, there's issues on both sides of the fence. And he even points out the talk that, you know, a lot of people are willing that are stuck in this middle-class white. I just want to blame the government for the lack of opportunities they have. But when they're given a decent job, they don't actually show up to work. They don't do the tasks they were given. They go take five 30-minute breaks throughout their shift. And so there's blame to be had on all of the sides and that we just can't be pointing fingers at one side. It's a fabulous read. I really liked the book. Um, And coming out on Netflix, Today, which I guess would have been two weeks ago by the time you hear this, is actually next week. Uh, Hillbilly Elegy has just came out on Netflix. Not watched it yet. Don't know um, how it compares to the book, but it's a movie about the book. So, Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Just That's... released this morning. It was funny. Andrea Sheridan texted me at like 830. She goes, have you watched it yet? And I was like, no, it just released at 1201. <laughs> and I've been awake like two hours. So, all right. So today, who do we have coming on today? What what, what our guest? Missouri Real Estate have- Commission. We've got uh, multiple people from the real estate commissions, from the Missouri Real Estate Commission and the Kansas Real Estate Commission coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, So why don't we go ahead and bring them on? Yep. Here we go. Bring them in. Habitat for Humanity of Kansas City has been a partner of KCRARs for years. You've probably heard about the work they're doing to help provide strength, stability, self-reliance, and shelter for the community. But did you know they also run a secondhand store that benefits their organization? The Habitat for Humanity Restore sells household items from furniture to appliances to building materials like cabinets, doors, windows, and more. All the proceeds from Restore sales support Habitat for Humanity's mission to make sure everyone in the world has a decent place to live. There are three main ways you can support Restore and Habitat for Humanity of Kansas City. 
donating, volunteering, and shopping. If you have a client who's remodeling or fixing up their home to sell, suggest they donate any unneeded items to restore so they can be used to raise money for Habitat. Or if they're looking for second-hand items, shopping at the Restore not only supports our community, but also supports building affordable housing around the world. So if you want to learn more about how to donate and volunteer or where you can shop, you can visit habitat.org slash restores, R-E-S-T-O-R-E-S. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRER. I'm Bobby Howe, and I have Alex with me, but I also have three esteemed guests with us. Here today, we have Eric Weisner with uh, Kansas City. Uh, the Kansas Real Estate Commission. I was trying to say KREC and that just wasn't working out for me. And then we have <laughs> Terry Moore with the Missouri Real Estate Commission. And we have Sharon Keating, who's not only an amazing realtor and my friend since I was in high school. Wow, that ages both of us. It's fine, Sharon. Uh, <laughs> she's a past Missouri president, but she's also the chair of the Missouri Real Estate Commission board. So we've got a lot of people here with us today. And she's got I'm a Missouri wearing- Cup. I love it. Uh, so thank you guys, all three of you, for being here with us today. Let's just go around the room and tell us, you know, some of your likes, dislikes, and how long you've been at the Real Estate Commission and what you love and what you hate. Eric, we'll start with you. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. Um, I've been with the Real Estate Commission almost six years now. Uh, prior to my time at KREC, I was in state government with a large cabinet-level agency, so um especially in COVID times, it's nice only having to worry about uh, 12 people instead of worrying about 400. But, um, you know, I'm excited to get to talk with you today. We've got a lot of uh, uh, new things that we're doing at the Real Estate Commission and a lot of things that I, I, I think I have to share with you. So thanks for having me on. Okay, I'm uh, Terry Moore. I'm originally from just south of St. Louis at a, a small town called Farmington. Um, graduated from high school there, um, went to a Missouri College, Southeast Missouri State, uh, finally graduated from Lincoln University here in Jefferson City, and I went to work for the Missouri Highway Patrol, and I worked for them for about 28 and a half years, retired from there, um, went back to actually uh, teach at Lincoln University for nine years, um, also had my real estate license at the same time, so I was a local real estate agent here for uh, about eight and a half years before I became the executive director here. I've been here about four and a half years um, and appreciate you having us on today and uh, we are looking forward to uh, having a discussion. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, Terry. And Sharon, tell me what I don't know about you. Well, I'm Sharon Keating. I live in Jefferson City, Missouri. I happen to be the chair of the Missouri Real Estate Commission right now. Um, my assistant, you can see back here. Uh, this dog, whenever I do one of these at home, always gets in the picture. I don't know <laughs> how he knows to do that, but he doesn't bother anything. He just wants to be in the picture. It's very strange. Um, I grew up in um, Georgia, went to college in Georgia. I was a TV news reporter, my first and chosen what I wanted to be career. Um, but then I moved to Jefferson City through marriage, and there were no opportunities to do that um, here at the time. So um, I branched out. I worked for the state. I worked for a local bank. I was a token woman executive back in the early 70s when they didn't have any of us in officer positions. So um, I've been around a while, done a lot of stuff, on a real estate brokerage in Jefferson City. And I've been on the Real Estate Commission since 2002. 
And I've been the chairperson um, elected by my peers, I don't know how many times now, but I've been the chair for, I don't know, 10 years maybe, Terry? I don't know. I, I think the records show, I think 2009. So I, I actually awesome. try to tell my compatriots that being the chair is the easiest job because I don't get any cases assigned to me, but I think they don't like presiding over the hearings and I really like being the judge. As you can imagine, if you know me. <laughs> so Sharon, I have a question for you. So as somebody that's a real estate practitioner as well, what led you to want to get involved then with MREC? What, was, how, what did that trajectory look like? Well, I've always been very active in my real estate association, local and state and national. And um, back, I don't know, in the 1990s, um, this is my personal opinion now. I felt like our real estate commissioners, many of them were not real practitioners. They had licenses, but they weren't earning their living at real estate. That's not true of everyone that was on there, but it seemed like to a great extent, the commissioners were not earning a living at real estate. And I felt it was important for people who were actually out in the trenches every day to serve on that commission. Um, not at the expense of others, but I felt like my experience um, since being licensed since 1979 could be valuable. And um, I've loved doing it. it it's, uh, yes, it's a bit of a sacrifice, but it's definitely worth it. And we've, um, we've accomplished some good things. We have a terrific group of commissioners right now. And there is one opening, somebody is interested. So Eric, you said you had a bunch of changes coming up at KREC this next year. So what's going on? What do our members need to know? What's some things well, happening? We've done a lot to, um, Kind of move our services online. Um, a few years ago, uh, obviously, we upgraded some of our online renewal programs. Um, that was we're excited about that. Um, let's see. About a year and a half ago, we implemented a uh, a new system that allow um, affiliation changes to be done online. So we feel that's especially with with COVID and you know. Um, trying to get people to sign documents and submit things via US mail. We, we feel that our, our new online system that allows essentially real-time affiliation changes is, is, is really gonna be beneficial for the industry and for uh, licensees to be able to manage their, their license in real time. Um, and, and we're actually uh, in the process of working on our, our kind of our final stage, which will be automating all of the application processes. So somebody that's trying to get a real estate license um, they can do all of that through our online portal. So we're, we're really excited about that. Um, and, you know, obviously with, with the pandemic and uh, the increased focus on being able to work remotely, having these things online has really helped us to, to minimize any, um, any concerns with being unavailable or being able to not process um, any documents that licensees need in order to um, transact real estate in Kansas. Absolutely. Those are great developments. That's awesome. So yeah, and I want to I want to talk about that because you know, uh, with our association essentially straddling the state line and being a part of both states, I think more than other associations, we really get to work heavily with both KREC and MREC. And I will say as someone, Terry and Sharon, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, and I'm gonna say it anyways, as someone who ran an office of 500 agents there for about three, four years and Alex in his position now, 
we love your online portal. It, my staff this year, whenever it was time for um, renewals, was so excited. They were like, if Missouri could just be as easy as Kansas is to renew their license. So you're making a lot of people happy. So I just want to say thank you for doing all of that. And we can accomplish it over in Missouri. I'm not worried about that. And yet it's just being that forward thinking and having those pieces in place and putting them all in place, it just makes it more practical for the world that we're in right now. We appreciate that feedback and, you know, anything we can do to, to continue to improve, we'll, we'll, we're always welcome for suggestions and we appreciate that. So to Terry and Sharon, what do we got going on in Missouri? What's coming up in well, 2021? I'm, I'm going to let Terry tell you what actually is going on, but I can give some history even before he was there. I love one, of the things, one of the things that I've been um, striving for since 2002 is to get our system automated as far as agents and brokers are concerned. Um, it's been like pulling teeth. Um, it's only been in the last few years since Terry's been there that I've actually had felt like I had a partner helping to push this forward. And we have some built-in problems with um, the way the state runs our licensing. Um, they have some antiquated computerized systems and it's been very difficult to get things changed. We would love to, and, and I know we've done a whole lot about improving um, and getting people to use our online renewal that we have now. But um, I'm sure there's more that we need to do. It's, it's been a long push, and we just keep pushing. And uh, it's not, not done yet. Terry? Well, you're right, um, Sharon, about the difficulties that we've had in getting a new system online. Uh, we are looking at a company right now about the possibility of having uh, a total automated system uh, is a pilot program. We'll do it as a pilot program first, uh, assuming that it's going to be approved by the state. Um, and then if it works out, then by our renewal system, uh, the next in 2022, uh, everything will be automated. Every, everything from the initial licensing um, process that the individual will uh, basically take the test and the download of information from the testing firm, then we'll um, start a portal for that or, or a portal um, profile for that individual. Uh, and then the individual will sign in to that profile and they will travel through that application process as quickly as they can get things done. And once it's uh, all finalized, the only thing that we will have to do as administrative staff is to go in and review and make sure all the proper documents are there and that uh, they are properly dated and just push a button and say approved. And then it automatically approves them and, and puts them out there as a licensed individual. Um, it will also give them the opportunity to print their own license, that we won't have to print the license and send it to them, that they can print it themselves. They can go in and change their own addresses and all that. Missouri does have a regulation that requires people to keep their address up to date within 10 days of moving and whatever. So we're looking forward to getting in and doing a pilot program um, of that particular system. And so we're just hopefully that it will come along a lot quicker than what we hope that it will. That sounds exciting. I'm like sitting here going, okay, let's do it. That sounds like fun. So I love that. You know, it's also, it's, you know, good to have these conversations because we can see what's happening behind that we wouldn't otherwise have any idea. 
Um, well, let's get into the fun stuff. You know, everyone's talking about real estate commission. What are some of the more um, common violations that a real estate commission, things that you see all the time that really simple for realtors to not mess up? You know, I think it just depends on what, what, you know, what we're looking at. I mean, if we're talking about complaints, um, which we get about, so between 250 and 300 complaints a year, um, you know, I would say probably the number one complaint, um, at least from the general public is misrepresentation. Um, you know, that something was listed in the contract or, um, something was presented that wasn't accurate. Um, that's, uh, a frequent issue that we have. Um, others, I would say, are um, offers not being presented or not being presented timely. Um, you know, failure to disclose material defects, that would be, be something. Um, and then, at least in Kansas, um, advertising, that's more of a complaint we, re we, we see from other licensees. Um, you know, somebody, usually it's a, another licensee is not including the broker's um, their brokerage is trade name or business name. That's, that's the big one that we see. Um, and you know, that's Kansas recently implemented some, um, more stringent requirements when it comes to advertising specifically, um, the size of individual or team name in, in advertisements. So, um, we've seen a few of them come in there, but we're still most of the complaints on advertising just are related to not including the, um, the, the, the licensee, including the broker's trade name, um, or business name. Now, Eric, one common question that we get about uh, the Kansas regulations uh, is specifically in regards to advertising. Sorry, let me mute my phone. Sorry about that. Uh, is Are we at some point going to look at modernizing uh, some of those requirements uh, so that we can bring them up to date for use in social media? I remember at one point there was even some about if you even post something on your personal page, about the fact that you just got licensed, that that constitutes an advertisement and should include the name of your, uh, of your, of your broker. So I'm just kind of curious if we're eventually going to look at uh, maybe having some more updated regulations in terms of social media. Well, you know, that's, I've gotten that question a few times. Um, you know, the, we don't make the, the real estate commission doesn't make the laws. We, we only enforce what the Kansas legislature has promulgated. Sure. Um, and they've basically said that anything, um, any advertisement and media that um, you would need a license for um, essentially is, is under the jurisdiction of the real estate commission. So, you know, what we frequently see is somebody, I don't know about, you know, posting about getting their license, but you know, they, they may say something on their Facebook page about just got my license excited to show an open house at, you know, one, two, three simple lane. Right. And, and yes, that would be tech, that would be advertising under, under Kansas law. However, you know, I always, you know, when I do these presentations with respect to social media, I always say, well, you know, you could do something simple as either, you know, on, on your Facebook page, even your personal page, because it's, it's, it's often a blurred line within real estate of what's, business and what is personal, right? So, you know, something that you could simply do is, you know, John Smith, you could dash, put your brokerage there. And no matter what, what you post, whether it's personal or business, you know, in that case, you're probably under, you're in compliance with Kansas law with respect to advertising. You know, the, the hard part about trying to come up with a, a solution with respect to social media, or frankly, any type of um, advertising, um, especially 
you know, on the internet is, is once we, once we come up with some solution, there's some totally different, um, you know, means of, of, you know, social media or whatever sure. it may be. Podcasts obviously are, are big now. So uh, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things where we've tr tried to tweak things a little bit incrementally and, you know, the commission ultimately has jurisdiction with respect to discipline. So they do look at all the extenuating circumstances to determine if there's a mitigating or aggravating circumstance, but you know, it's just one of those things where it's kind of, we, we just kind of got to wait and see, but you know, there are a lot of, you know, pretty simple suggestions that, that we've, we can offer and they're on our website that, you know, usually generate compliance with respect to advertising laws. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. You know, we have something, um, and I want Terry to talk about this in general, but there's one area in Missouri that we have a lot of issues with that they don't in Kansas because they don't license property managers in Kansas. We do. And we have lots of issues with property managers. Um, more in probably our audit arena than anything else. And um, it's come to the point where we as commissioners, and I think I can speak for all of them, uh, would love it if we had a special license just for property management because those people need special help. Terry, what else? You keep accurate statistics of what all our complaints are. Yeah, on the property managers, uh, about 18% um, about, uh, or 19% of our licensees um, are property managers, but we spend about 80% of our time in audits with property managers. So, and a lot of it is just following the money. Uh, so we do have a lot of issues with property managers. Um, we have a lot of the same complaints and, and um, uh, investigations as what Kansas does. Uh, one other thing that we have a lot, it seems like, is disclosure. And that's a variety of different ways. Either the real estate agent has failed to disclose their relationship, uh, how they represent the individual, um, or um, they have not disclosed something that they knew that under Missouri law is called a material fact, and they did not disclose that information uh, in selling that particular property. Um, so we get, get quite a few complaints on that, and we do a lot of investigations on that. So, so Terry, it was interesting when you were talking about the property managers, I heard a little Pareto's principle show up there in that 20% of your licensees are property managers, and yet they're 80% of your, uh, your complaints and your issues. I find that really interesting that we have over there. We found it that way also, and that's not a scientific uh, research uh, project. It's just a, a, a quick survey that we did with our, um, uh, our uh, auditors, mm -hmm. finding out what percentage of time do you actually spend with the people who are property managers and what percentage of the time do you spend with the people who are just regular uh, real estate salespeople. Uh, so it's not a scientific study and everything. We can do that at some point, but we just wanted to get a ballpark figure real quickly to find out uh, where we are at. And, and we are looking at the possibility. Right now we have 13 different types of licenses in Missouri. And so we are looking at the possibility of trying to reduce those down to about six licenses. And one of those would be a property manager license. Which we'll run into um, some political issues there, we're, we're sure, because there are people who do all of the above that they're allowed to do with their real estate license, and they won't be very happy about having to have a separate license for property management. But 
the problems we have with it are just kind of a lot. The other thing that we get quite a bit that we, I don't know that it's a huge category of complaints, but it's a very aggravating one for those of us that have to make decisions on them. And it's all the stuff about inducements. We are constantly having no public person. I cannot think in the whole time I've been on the commission where there's ever been a complaint from a consumer about an inducement. I just don't remember it at all. And I think I would. Um, they all come from practitioners against each other. And um, it's just real annoying. We tried to get that part of um, the law changed because we felt like it was foolish for us to even be in that game. But our brokers in Missouri said, uh, 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 we want that there. So we are still dealing with that. I'm wondering, so I, if you're really breaking it out into percentages, what percentage of the complaints that you guys receive in all actually come from the public? To both, Kansas and Missouri. Yeah. I, I would say in Missouri, it's probably close to half, half. Um, and usually the ones that we get, uh, at one time we took anonymous complaints. Mm -hmm. uh, we no longer do that. Um, because a lot of the anonymous complaints we got, we found out where we could, we found out that it was actually another real estate agent complaining against another real estate agent. And uh, about 99.9% .9 of those were unfounded. Uh, it was just somebody who was very much a competitive uh, person against them, uh, their competitor. And so therefore they complained about whatever little thing that they could. Uh, so we only take signed complaints now. And that has cut out a lot of that uh, nonsense type stuff that we spend our wheels on investigating. Um, so uh, that, that's been an advantage for us. Eric, are you similar? Yeah, we're, we're pretty similar. I'd say it's about 50-50. Um, we do take anonymous complaints. Um, we actually, our, our requirement is we, we, do, we don't take complaints over the phone. We do need them in writing either preferably email through our online system or, or we do take via us mail, but um, you know, with the anonymous complaints, we, we see this, we, while we do take them, you know, we don't, honestly, we don't, you know, run around trying to chase our tail. If we can't figure out what the violation is, we close the complaint. So I, you know, if somebody contacts me and says, I'd like to fill this out anonymously, is that okay? I, I'll tell them. Yeah. But, most likely nothing will come of it because we'll need some more information. If it's anonymous, we, we can't contact you for additional information. So we, we do see, um, though, I, I'd say it's about 50-50. And, you know, I tell people, <laughs> you know, I, while I only have five investigators on KREC payroll, I have 17,000 licensees who are out in the field looking for things. And they usually do a pretty good job of letting us know if something is not <laughs> um, up to par. So... You know, we're somehow we are quickly at the end of the time we have asked from you guys. So we don't want to overstep our bounds. We haven't even gotten into audits or weird rules that people may or may not know about. So let's each one of you sum it up with what's the one piece of advice people listening to this should walk away or what's the one thing they need to know about that they might not. Uh, we will start sharing with you because you're right. If I look at my Zoom box squares, you're right below me. So we'll start okay. with you, Sharon. We'll do Terry and then finish with you, Eric. Um, when your mother calls or writes, answer her. In other words, if you hear from the Real Estate Commission, please respond because we don't take it kindly at all if you do not respond to us. And 
we will just um, be a lot easier to deal with and friendlier and things will be much better if you will pay attention to the information you receive from the commission. And when you get something addressed to you to answer, answer it in the time allotted, which is usually 30 days, so. It's pretty good advice. I like it, Sharon. Terry, what would you tell people? I would say uh, probably the next best thing uh, for people to keep in mind is if they have a question about something, uh, don't go to their partner and ask for them to respond to it because we find out that a lot of time their partner doesn't know what they're talking about. Call the real estate commission. Um, and if by chance all of our phones are busy or whatever, uh, you can email us. Uh, but either call us or, or email us and get the answer directly from us. You know, I see people on Facebook. I'm sorry before we get to you, Eric. I see people all the time asking questions on Facebook that should either be asked of their broker Crazy. or the real estate commission. Stop asking other agents what to do and go to the actual source. So thank you, Terry. Eric. You guys lab code, thunder, lab code agents. I going to say, go talk to your broker. I mean, that's the thing I, I think that, you know, one of the first questions we get in an investigation uh, or when we're doing an investigation, we said, did you talk to your broker about this? Um, and and I, I bet four out of every five times the affiliate licensees answer is no. They never went to their broker. And a lot of times the broker doesn't find out until we contact them while we're doing a complaint investigation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously that doesn't really create a good, I wouldn't think creates a good working relationship between you and your broker moving forward. So yeah, I, I agree. You know, feel free to contact the commission, but, you know, start with your broker if you have a question with respect to, to, to license law. I mean, that's always the, the first place to go. Good advice, you guys. This has been such a fruitful conversation. I wish we had even more time with you, uh, but, but this, is, this has been really good and we appreciate all uh, that you brought to us today. Thank you so much. We appreciate you.